just stands up and just to puff you up and make you feel good about yourself and just when he's with you. But behind the scenes, he feels just as strongly about you. That's the kind of man he is. That's the kind of minister uh, he is. He's just a phenomenal person. And so I don't know how I come and follow up on anything that he has imparted to you, but I'm, I'm glad for the opportunity nonetheless. I've got some stuff I want to introduce to you this morning, and we'll finish up uh, tonight. Uh, you should have received the handout when you came in, and that's just to help you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I just don't think, like Brother Rick said with his message, that uh, I'll be able to finish what uh, I brought to you this morning. Um, and so I have uh, seven points, I think, there that I want to make mention of before, um, before we finish or as we finish tonight. And they, they all have to do with um, stewardship and um, our responsibility. You notice the title there. I'll get into this a little bit more, but mind your business. I don't mean that in a snarky way. It just, it's actually a biblical idea. And uh, the verse of Scripture is there for you. I'll read that to you here in, in just a minute. And, uh, and we'll go down through. I think these points are all primary points. I think they're of incredible value to God, number one. But I also think they are primary targets uh, for Satan and uh, uh, his demonic strategies. Uh, he, he wants us to mishandle them. He wants us to mismanage them. These are areas, as, as you'll find out, that nobody can do for you in life. Uh, certainly, God gives us people to help us. And, um, uh, but, but we are responsible for how they are uh, bottom line managed in our own life. One of the goals that I've always had as a pastor since, I mean, the youngest days. I began pastoring when I was 26, about 10 years ago. A little longer than that. Um, 26 years old, uh, it just impressed upon me that one of the things that God would expect from me, that I would always need to work towards, was preparing those in his family, preparing those in the body of Christ and the church to stand before him one day with confidence that they, had, that they knew what uh, his will was uh, concerning Aspect, different aspects of life. They would know clearly what their mission was. Uh, during the season of the church, we're in a season uh, of the local church, which, which had a beginning, a certain beginning. It will have a certain ending as well. And, uh, and, and I just had it in my heart. It weighed on me early on that uh, I would need to do, give my life, uh, make whatever sacrifices I would need to make, down through the years to do everything I could to make sure that the people of God were prepared to stand before him because we all will. Scripture's very clear about that. There's a day coming that's an accounting. And again, we don't say those things like Rick said so well. He said so many things so well. But like Rick said about not to scare us, but to prepare us. Uh, accounting, the whole idea of accounting can be... Um, Pretty threatening for people, even God's people. The idea that we're going to be judged uh, at the Bema seat of Christ, which is different than the great white throne of judgment. I'm sure you know that. We're not standing up there concerned about where we're going to spend eternity because we've made Jesus Lord of our life. 
But our works are going to be judged. What we have done and what we are doing in our body are, are going to face uh, judgment. And the scripture is very clear. There will be rewards handed out for uh, many of those things. But there's also going to be, and this is just the, the language of the New Testament, there's going to be a suffering of loss um, concerning the works that we, we have done uh, here. How we used God's resources, again, how we managed and how we stewarded what God uh, gave us. And, and this is a little bit of that uh, today. Again, I've just chosen seven points. I think uh, very common. I think they'll, um, they'll speak to you. Uh, every one of you, they'll call you to um, call you up to a place of being uh, responsible uh, over those things. Uh, we need to be about minding uh, the Father's business, just like Jesus talked about uh, to his own parents. We need to be that and uh, be responsible for ourselves and do what we can to help other people get there too. Can I have an amen? And so, amen. so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning for a little bit, and then tonight. Um, we, we'll finish. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to manipulate you. Just would love to see you, number one, come back. But number two, I think the information we're going to share uh, this evening is, is uh, going to be just as valuable as what we're going to talk about uh, this morning for a few minutes. And uh, hopefully you'll have a bigger picture. Certainly things you can go into 2024 with that will help you. It's not about goal setting, though you'll want to set some. It's just, it's more about, again, your stewardship. How many of you really in your heart uh, today would love to stand before the Lord Jesus one day and hear him say, well done, good and what faithful uh, servant. So that's, that's really where I feel pointed. I, I felt that pointed that direction concerning the church family in uh, New Mexico uh, as well. I have a couple of words in my spirit that have been stirring. One of them is elevate. Would you say that out loud with me? Elevate. And some people think that's just about living again more of, more of the higher life. And it certainly can apply, apply to that. But as I thought on that word and meditated that word, elevate, I thought more about perspective and how we see things. When you get higher, you see things differently, right? And, uh, and I, I think God is wanting to increase in the church, certainly in, in the leadership of the church in 2024, how we're seeing things, making certain that we're seeing things from his perspective. Um, we're not being the truth, told the truth on everything. You know that. And it's becoming harder to discern what is the truth and what is not the truth. And that's not just hap happening in the political realm. Where it seems to me that people are perfectly happy with lying. Yeah. And they've, they even practice becoming a better liar. Someone who can shade the truth or alter it and, and put a spin on it. Again, that's nothing new. But it's, I think what we're seeing happen is different. It's, being, it's going to a different level than what most of us have lived any life uh, on this planet have experienced before in our, in our life. And um, God is helping us adjust to that. And he's going to, I think, work in us to be able to greater discern what we're hearing with our ears. And not all of that's in the realm, in the political realm. Get ready, it's an election year. Okay. But it's not all about that realm 
And we have to be careful, church family, that we, we don't just become aggravated over what's happening there and forget what we're called to do Amen. and who we represent. Our king has already been crowned. Amen. His lordship already established. And we have the good news of that to take to every corner of the planet. Right, Tony? Right, Tony? So, um, uh, but uh, we have it in the church too, sadly. Again, nothing new. It's been in the church. Paul had a number of conversations with young Timothy about philosophies and deception, deception being on the rise even then when he was uh, pinning those letters, and how much more are we confronting it within, within the church today. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about this uh, later if we have the time. But just like we have from a military uh, place, we've had to adapt and adjust to um, how we defend our borders and defend our nations. I know, again, it seems like we're not much interested in, in that sometimes here in the United States, but still there, there's plenty of weaponry that's been developed, particularly since uh, 1940, 45. Um, it's been engineered to stop these missile, missiles, especially the long range ones, the ballistic ones, intercontinental, that can be fired and reach you know, um, places on the planet for destruction. And we have continued to have to evolve that technology. What we have today is so, so much more advanced than what we had back in the 40s uh, to uh, counteract the missiles. Well, there are missiles being fired spiritually. Stop and think about Paul's language again uh, in his uh, letter to the church at uh, Ephesus where he talked about darts, fiery darts. I, I think you know this again because you're so well taught, but he's not talking about those kind of darts. He's talking about the actual word in the Greek language uh, refers to missiles or arrows. Uh, something that happens suddenly and something that can uh, wreak havoc and, and great destruction, being fiery, not just hitting their target, but consuming the target once it hits the target. And uh, there, there are more of those being released from a spiritual platform. Sadly, they're, they're in places of worship uh, from behind pulpits as well. And again, our take is not to become suspicious of everybody or not to get on Instagram or Facebook or your particular platform of choice and just uh, add to the mess by the reckless use of your words. Because you can say the right thing and say it the wrong, with the wrong spirit does the same kind of damage, right? So you don't want to you don't want to go there, um, but at the same time we don't ignore how God's going to counteract it. And one of the ways He's going to counteract that is to give us an area. And again, that's in my notes today, an area to manage and to steward, so that we become a bit, uh, really good in counteracting the missiles that are fired with a greater counterattack. Come on. Satan's called the prince in the power of the air, isn't he? And there, there are things coming at you and things coming at me and, and hiding behind the guise of good and beneficial and wonderful and, and all that. And we're going to have to have greater discernment. I think that word elevate has to do, uh, do with that.
And so say that word with me again, elevate. And just expect that as you go into the rest of 2024 for God to elevate you, give you a greater perspective on uh, what is happening and how you can handle it, how you can see it, how you can know it, what to do with it uh, as, it's, as it's taking place. All right. So greater power is going to be available, available to us in this new year than we've experienced. And we've experienced some pretty great stuff, haven't we? I mean, even together. Uh, Alan mentioned uh, his wife. Cindy had a, we were up last August in Denver, and it was a follow-up to a series of tests she had had uh, for breathing issues. And she had, had incredible results just in a year. Uh, the doctors used very scientific language as they were looking at the images, the before and after images of her lungs. And one doctor said out loud, holy crap. That's pretty scientific. Right? Organic. Scientific. And she wasn't the only one. We saw a doctor later in the day, and I'll be, she used the same exact language when she saw the images. She said, holy crap, have you seen this? Talking to Cindy and I. And so the report was good, but they saw, uh, they, uh, they saw a white spot on uh, her lung that had not been there the year prior, and they were very concerned. And um, so immediately they were hoping, they went to work, they, they were hoping to, to get us while we were in Denver uh, to get some additional testing and images. They were looking for a path of treatment. I'm talking about a physical path to biopsy the white uh, a spot they saw on Cindy's image. And we asked questions, something we should be worried about. Uh, one doctor said, no, listen to this. Thank God for physicians like this. They're not all like this. Uh, but we, we, God gave us a good team to help, uh, help us. And uh, she looked at us and was very firm. She said, fear is toxic. She said, we're not going to worry about anything. This is a medical physician. So, of course, we resonated what we, we were believing anyway. And um, we got in the car on our way home. They couldn't get us in for treatment. So they said, we'll have to come back, make arrangements. And uh, it, for five weeks, wasn't it, sweetheart? Five weeks. We got in the car, though, to leave. And immediately we looked at each other and said, we're agreeing today in Jesus' name that that spot, uh, whatever, whatever that is, completely goes away. They won't be able to find it. Those were our words. It will go away. God will. Right now as we pray. And so we went about our business and um, returned five weeks later and went in to, to see the uh, physician that was uh, in charge of that part of treatment. And she came in. We hadn't met her. And she came in the room. We were already seated. And she just pops in the room. I mean, she's loud on her feet. You'd have thought, Jonathan, she was a worship leader. She just came in and threw her hands up, and she closed the door with her rear end like this and <laughs> went like this. She said, who wants to hear some good news? And Cindy and I raised our hands and said, we're, we're in for some good news. She says, it's gone. Yeah. She Amen. said, it's completely Amen. gone. That's right. so, it, it, so we questioned her a little bit. What was it? We don't know. It's gone. What happened to it? We don't know. It's gone. You know, and the more questions we asked, the more creative she had to be with her answer. But she was saying the same thing every time. It's gone. We don't know what it was. 
She furthermore said, you don't have to ever worry. This is her, these are her words. You don't ever have to worry about it coming back. God's good. Amen. Had a man named Randy in our congregation this year. He, uh, I just love him. He's a tough and tumble kind of a guy. He was in law enforcement for a number of years. Loves to hunt. Um, and uh, he, uh, he's on our, one of our teams at the church, volunteer teams. And he came up uh, to me. He, was so, he had such a big smile on his face. He said, can I share this with you before we get into your teaching tonight? And I said, sure. So he said, um, uh, I have probably broken every bone in my right hand at one time in my life. And he said, I just had excruciating pain in this uh, right hand for so, so many years. And he said, it got to hurt me the other day so badly that I really just, I, I came really close to just calling emergency and uh, having them take me in by ambulance to figure out how, how I could get some relief in this hand. And he said, but instead, he said, the Spirit of God just prompted me, Pastor. And he said, and I took my left hand, and I put it on my right hand. And I said, in Jesus' name, I received my full healing for this hand. And he said, Pastor, immediately. Say that out loud. Immediately. Immediately, immediately he was relieved of pain. Amen. And a hand that had hurt him for so many years. And uh, I said, check my hand. He reached out his hand and said, grip it. He gripped my hand. I hurt my hand. He gripped my hand. And I said, it doesn't hurt. He says, it doesn't hurt. So I've been just questioning him, seeing how he is. Every week since then, it's been almost eight weeks. I said, so how's your hand? He says, completely free. And he was so excited because he had never received a miracle. He'd received healings. But he had never received a miracle of healing where it happened just like that. Come on, church. I'm prophesying it. Amen. I know you're seeing it. We're going to see more of it. It's going to happen at your hands, your prayer. It's going to happen Amen. when we're not laying hands on anybody. We had two ladies, or one man and a lady the same night. We have what we call every once in a while a collective night. And we bring everybody together for a worship and prayer and some exhortation. I served communion that night. Cindy had an amazing exhortation. But it was mostly worship. And a young man came running down to the front. And he's in his mid-40s. And he said, Pastor, I've got to share this with you. I said, what happened? He said, I have not been able uh, to breathe freely for over six weeks. I've been coughing nonstop for six weeks, literally. And I, can't, I have not been able to stop. He said, I came into worship tonight. I lifted up my voice. I began to give praise to God. The coughing stopped. He said, I haven't coughed all evening at all. And, uh, and he said, I just want to give God praise. That has continued. He, he, he dumped it that night. Praise God. His body was cleansed of Amen. it that night. And he's been free from it ever, ever since. And uh, same thing, same night, we had a, a lady visiting from another church. And she brought uh, her worship leader with her from the church to see how we do a collective night. And she, similar, she had just gotten back from a a mission trip to Thailand. And uh, when she started back, she started getting really congested. It's hard for her to breathe. And again, the cough developed, and she had not been able to get rid of a cough. And for, for many, many, many weeks, same kind of deal. Nobody laid hands on her. She's right over here about the second or third row. 
she began just to lift her hands and praise and worship God. And healing came to her in the form of a miracle. And she was completely, again, cleansed that night. Has not returned. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I mean, I love it when we lay hands on the sick. That's our commission part of it. But boy, when God just, you know, moves and we just meet him and things like that. I think it can happen this morning. Amen. Maybe already be at work, you know. Happen tonight. Happen at lunch, you know. Um, let's get our expectors turned on and just keep them on. Amen. Houses can get paid off, right? Debts can be retired early. People reap what they sow. And those who have sowed seed faithfully, something special happens. All right. Well, we better get into this for a little bit. Either that or I need to close. And uh, we can pick it all up tonight. See you tonight. Uh, let's get into some of this. I, again, I, I, uh, just for a few minutes this morning, way of introducing it to you. Again, these are areas of, uh, uh, I think you can consider them priorities, valuable priorities, common to every single one of us. You don't, shouldn't excuse yourself from any of these areas of uh, responsibility or stewardship. And honestly, even though I don't mean mind your business in a sort of a snarky way, the only way you're going to get this done and done well is to mind your business. Don't mind everybody else's. You can help people, but don't make their business your business. You've got your business. Let me show it to you from the scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. This is from the Amplified. It reads this way, Furthermore, brethren, we beg and admonish you in virtue of our union with the Lord Jesus, that you follow the instructions. Say, follow the instructions. You follow the instructions which you learned from us about how you ought to walk so as to please and gratify God, as indeed you're doing, and that you do so even more and more abundantly, attaining yet greater perfection in living this life. Down verse 11, that same translation, says, to make it your ambition and definitely endeavor to live quietly and peacefully, to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we charged you. Here's verse 11 from the Passion Translation. Aspire to lead a calm, peaceful life as you mind your own business and you earn your living just as we've taught you. So minding our own business, tending to our own affairs, will include but not be limited to these seven areas that I want to lay out uh, for you um, again. Uh, again, I think that they're targets for God. I think they're targets for the demonic. And, uh, and we need to just be aware of that. There's going to be a wrestling that goes on. We're not in, uh, Satan is not in a tug-of-war with God. God's not in a tug-of-war with Satan. If you've thought that, you've been thinking wrong. The battle really is already won. We don't need to, 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 to fight a battle that's already been fought and won. But we do have our wrestling part of it. That just means that we are called by God, anointed by him, to enforce what is already uh, a victory. What Jesus already accomplished 2,000 years ago. Amen. Always a good reminder of that. Amen. Because you get out there and start struggling in your mind or in other ways. And you tend to forget that you, you are battling from a place of victory Amen. already. 
I, I, I teach a lot about grace, and I talk a lot about the practical aspects of grace. I think the church understands the terminology about grace, but we don't understand a lot of its practical application in life. How does grace get me to think different? How does grace uh, help me make certain choices? And I say this about living from grace, the grace of God, the finished work of Christ, that we have to learn how to live from a finished place. So we're not always striving. We're not always struggling for something we already have. So much of what we struggle for, we already have. It's a matter of appropriating it, receiving it, right? And so we, we learn that, how to live from a finished place. That those revelations of grace lead us to a rest uh, place and living from that place. So let's jump into these. Number one, uh, on your notes there, there's a little blank for you to fill in. Uh, some things there. The first blank you could fill in with this phrase, personal trust. The business of developing your personal trust in God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 15, Passion Translation, says this, we're not trying to take credit for the ministry done by others, going beyond the limits set for us, Paul speaking. He said, instead, our hope soars as your faith continues to grow. Say this out loud with me, declare it. My faith my trust trust. continues to grow. grow. Say this, I've not arrived. arrived. My faith continues to grow. Causing a great expansion of our ministry among among you. That's just one of the effects of growing faith. Um, Our our first responsibility in stewardship, I could have put these seven in a different order. But I put them in this order, certainly putting the first one first, because our first responsibility is to learn how to respond to God's ability. My first responsibility, your first responsibility as a Christian, is to respond to his ability. And we call that trusting God. Deepening our uh, trust opens up, uh, uh, this is not an exaggeration, a plethora of divine and necessary realities. Um, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says this, Trust the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, all your heart rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Man, did you get all that? That's power-packed, isn't it? But just, just as an example, one example of what I just said, the, the statement I just made to you about Uh, Other things being opened up as we trust. As we trust God, greater leaning is uh, our experience. You know, we're leaning here. We need to lean more uh, on God in in this area, maybe. Uh, Greater leaning is one of the uh, uh, benefits. Greater acknowledgement is a benefit of greater trusting. What do we mean by that? Well, let's just say I I walked into the room. Pastor Mark, as he graciously did, introduce me to speak to you this morning, spend some time with you in the Word. But you never made eye contact with me. You never engaged in anything uh, I said. Uh, And you'll leave that way, having done done that. I was present, and my presence was made known, but you didn't acknowledge it. It's like somebody walking into my office. I have an appointment with them, counseling, for example, and... Uh, I know they're coming, and uh, they come to my door, and I know they're present. But say I never look up from my desk. 
I never look up from my desk. I never stand up. I never take a step toward them to shake their hand or to hug them, embrace them, welcome them in Jesus' name. So if, if that's my conduct, I've never acknowledged them. It's one thing to know God is present, and he is, because he said he would be, right? It's another to acknowledge him, to make eye contact with him. Huh? To say, welcome. Is there something I can do for you, Lord? Big difference. And it's one of, the diff- one of the reasons we're not seeing, not experiencing the greater fullness that we know is promised to us. Because we haven't taken that, that step. We know he's present, okay, but we don't acknowledge it. And uh, worship helps us do that. There are other ways, other things we can do to help us to do that. But acknowledgement is key. Here the scripture teaches us as we trust greater, our acknowledgement of God becomes greater. And when our acknowledgement of him becomes greater, let me throw this in here, uh, our, our honoring him goes to a better place. Right? Yeah. Um, all Again, these are different things. Um, on top of all that, a greater clarity comes by trusting in him. Scripture makes it clear that his word becomes a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path Amen. as we trust to him. Amen. So uh, I, I love talking about trusting God for any number of reasons. Uh, but one of the things that trust does and stewarding trust well does, it lifts away all that is impossible. All that remains in our life that, that we would deem impossible is lifted away as we trust. Why? Because all things are possible to him who what? who believes. And he said that to a really distraught daddy that day, a father that day, uh, who was struggling over the health of his um, son and uh, demon-possessed. How often do we see that? And he traveled a great distance to, to get to Jesus. When he gets to where Jesus was, Jesus is up in the mountain with uh, some of his disciples. He's not physically present. And uh, so he asked the disciples for help. Disciples couldn't help, couldn't, couldn't cast the demon out. They had cast some demons out, but couldn't cast this demon out. So when Jesus comes down out of the mountain, they've got some questions for Jesus, as does the father. Jesus says, what's going on? The, the, the dad explains the situation. And he says, uh, the, the dad says to Jesus at one point, if you can do anything, you know, um, Heal my, heal my son. You know he was in a bad place because uh, questioning the will of God is one thing. Questioning the ability of God's another. Right? And uh, most people who knew anything about the ministry of Jesus knew that he was able because of what he had already done. But the question was like with the leopard, you know, if you will, you can make me whole. So um, the dad had that question, and Jesus said, let's, let's turn this around. You need to, to think differently about, about this. It's not whether I'm capable or not, or able or not. It's not even a matter of, am I willing? It's a matter of, can you believe this? And the man was immediately convicted. Jesus wasn't uh, in his face over this. He wasn't, that wasn't a rebuke. At least when I read it, that's not what I hear. He may have been lamenting what was happening. But Jesus is our help. Come on, in our time of need. Amen. And sure, he can speak strong words to us that, are, that do help us in our time of need. 
but he didn't just come at us. He didn't want the man to feel small. He didn't want to embarrass uh, the, the, the dad in front of his child. You know, he didn't want any, anything that uh, would have made the situation worse. He just, uh, Jesus just spoke into his life something he really needed to hear. He immediately fell, I think, under conviction. He humbled himself. And he said this, again, this is the literal Greek text reads, text reads this way. He said this, he said, Lord, he said, please help always my unbelief. Help always my unbelief. Amen. Trusting God rids our life of things that are impossibilities to us. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Okay. Again, so I know you're well taught. Your pastor can come back again and talk to you as he has been about over the years about uh, trusting. I'd like to talk a little bit about the difference between trust and just experiencing faith. Because sometimes we think they're the same thing and they don't yield the same result. So I want to give you three things really quickly. We'll move to the next point. I'm, all, I'm out of time, really. Um, but let me give you these three and introduce at least the next point to you, okay? The first thing I, I would love for you to really know and when it comes to stewarding trust is that faith comes to us from God as we hear him speak personally to us. You know what Romans 10, 17 says. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He's specifically talking about having or experiencing faith toward God, all right? If, uh, if uh, I, I want to develop faith toward Mark, then I need to hear Mark speak to me, okay? What somebody else says to me about Mark can be helpful, but I have to really, if I want to, if I want to come to a place of trust in Mark, the same is true. I have to hear Mark speak to me about himself. Okay, God obviously uses preaching and teaching to communicate revelation from God and God's, God's words to us. But when, if you look at Romans 10, 17, the word, trans, Greek word translated word there is the Greek word rhema, which always refers to a personal revelation from God. Personal. So, so when we hear that personal word from God speaking to us about an area of our life, here's what the Bible promises. Faith comes. Say it out loud. Faith comes. Faith. You want faith to come? You have to hear God speak. You want faith toward God to come? The word faith is the Greek word P-I-S-T-I-S. -I -I it means assurance, confidence, a sense of both. That can come. It doesn't come by you and I just going through tough times. Faith comes by us going through hell. Well, no. You made that up or somebody did. Okay? Faith comes not by us going through tough times, but by hearing God speak into our life. Amen. Amen. And that can come to you at any time that you decide to listen. Which is a key, by the way, just inserted in your notes there. If we're going to talk about coming to greater faith, stewarding our faith, better, deepening our trust in God, we're going to also have to exercise ourselves as better listeners. Yeah, than what we may have been, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If, if, if faith comes, greater faith just comes through you going through a tough time or me going through a tough time, seems like to me we'd all be spiritual giants by now because we've had our share. 
It's not what's happening to you. It's how you're responding to it. That's determining anything. Part B of this is experiencing faith is not the same as believing. Okay, It's essential. It's a, faith empowers us. Let me say it to you. Faith empowers us to believe. Faith empowers us to believe. But it's not the same as believing or the same as trusting. Um, there's a season to hear, a season to be convinced. Then there's a time to commit or believe under the influence of faith. All things are possible not to him who experiences faith, but to him who actually believes. Believing is fixing the heart, fixing the heart after it has been prepared. There's a lot of talk in this room, even this morning, about preparation. There's talk about it when Rick was here. Your pastors have been talking to you about preparation. All right, Hearing God speak to us, having that communion with us, prepares the heart to believe. What normally will happen as the word goes forth, if it's God's word, is you'll start, you'll start leaving a place of, say, fear, leaving a place of doubt, double-mindedness in your heart concerning something that's happening. And you'll start gaining confidence that this could change. This could be different. That's faith coming. Okay? That's not believing yet. It's faith coming to your heart. The Holy Spirit is helping you hear what God is saying on the subject. And so faith begins to rise on the inside of your heart. No, again, that's not the end game. Okay? See yourself walking up to a threshold, and you've been brought to that place by faith. You've been empowered to that threshold. The threshold is believing. And you've been brought there by the work of the Holy Spirit, helping you hear God speak. You're there, empowered by faith, but you haven't crossed over the threshold yet. Okay? And you need to cross over the threshold to receive what God has for you. Okay? Or to leave your impossibility behind and receive what God has now made possible by believing. Does that make sense to you? The third thing, very quickly, one size does not fit all when it comes to uh, trust. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, just that. Because you may have trust concerning your children. You're good. I mean, you really, when it comes to your kids, you know, you trust God to help you parent them, help God, God help you take care of them. You believe God to protect them when they're out, you know, etc. You, you trust God. You, you've, you've meditated the word. You've got the scriptures on it. You've prayed it. You've seen it. Uh, happen, uh, you're just, and now you're in a place where you really love to help other people where their kids are concerned, right? But when it comes to your money, when COVID hit, oh my God, or your health, you can, you're, you're at peace and at rest when it comes to your family. But these other areas, your believing didn't just transfer from here automatically over here, Okay. Again, to me, as a past, from a pastor's perspective, these are, are three areas of great misunderstanding that have led to incredible frustration where the people of God are concerned. Some believe, they say they believe, when in reality, they've never believed. They want to. They've been brought to that threshold before. 
but they've never made that commitment. If you want a real clear uh, picture of trust in the Bible, it's not, with, it's not Abram with a knife in his hand. It's Abram with knife in his hand coming down on the neck of his son Isaac. That's belief. No turning back. It took an angel to step, step in there and stop that. Right? So I, so I hope that's helped you. Give you something to think about? Okay. Second area. Still with me. Second area of stewardship. Again, just mention here just a few minutes. Is the business. Put this in your notes on your handout. The business of developing hope. The business of developing hope. It's tragic not to have faith or not to trust, but it's even more tragic not to be, be able to dream, to see the future, and to think well about the future. That's a tough spot to be in. I had a woman come in my office one time. She was, I don't think she'd been physically abused, maybe, but there were no signs of it that I could see. And I didn't sense that what had happened, but she could not lift her head up. She could not make eye contact with me. She was in, had come in the office with uh, her husband that day. He did all the talking. She just kept looking down. And even when I asked her to comment, uh, she wouldn't. And finally, I just was asking God while I was listening to this man, ask God what I needed to do. And he said, you need to have him step out. So I did. I asked him to step out. He did not like it. But I asked him, I said, if you're concerned at all, you have a glass in the door there, like these doors back here. You can just keep an eye on me. Keep an eye on your wife right there through that glass. I said, but I need to talk to her alone. So he left, and I started asking her questions. And finally, she looked up at me. It took, seemed to take everything within her to even make eye contact with me and try to tell me a little bit of what was happening. And apparently he was, he was beating her, but more with words. It was emotional abuse and just foul stuff to the point where she literally had no self-worth left and no hope for any change at all. It had gone on so long. But thank God for the Spirit of God. Amen. Where there was no hope, he began to give her hope. And uh, she could actually, she even got her to smile a couple of times before she left the, the office. I don't know what happened to her. But I just use that story to let you know that even in the most hopeless situations, God can build a new framework for faith. And that's what hope is. It's a framework for faith, right? Faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Number one, it enlightens us. God use, Anytime God wants to bring substantial change into our life, or lasting change into our life, he, he introduces hope. And he, he helps us to see the future as he sees it for you, for us. So it enlightens us. Again, Psalm 623 says, Your truth is a bright beam of light shining into every way of life. Number two, hope empowers us to move forward. Hope always has to do with the future. God never talks to you about hope concerning your past. He talks to you about hope concerning where you're going, where you haven't been yet. It's God's way of helping us and empowering us to look ahead and advance into our God-given destinies. 
It gave Abram, before he was Abraham, it gave Abram a foundation and framework uh, to change. And the the, uh, extent uh, of hope will will match uh, the extent of what God's going to do in you. I don't know if it makes any sense to you. But for example, God spoke specifically to Abram that he would need to leave his country, three different areas, leave his country, he would need to leave his kindred, and he would need to leave his father's house. Three different areas. The last two seem similar, but were a different commitment that he would need to make in following after God. Okay, So the hope he gave him had to be big enough, if you will, to help him, empower him to come away from that. And what would it take for you to leave the United States of America? What kind of promise would God have to give you to leave the way you were brought up? all your life, or to leave uh, your closest family and friends, or to leave your household. What kind of hope would God, it would have to be a supernatural hope, agree church, but it would have to be something. And so God said to him, uh, I, I want you to, to leave, and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. So yeah, the sacrifice is going to be great, but so is the reward. It's going to be great as well. Amen? Amen. Uh, where are we? Number Three, it helps us remain already, or, or steady, excuse me, and be patient in our way. Hebrews 10, 36, Amplified Bible says this, For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Number four, hope dictates our decisions and our actions. This is something I I would love to spend more time on. Maybe I'll bring it up again tonight for just a few minutes. But when God uh, begins to cause your heart heart to hope, the work of the Holy Spirit, that becomes and should become a, a golden standard, if you will, that helps you from that point on make any other decisions that you might need to make that won't interfere with your advancement and your forward movement. won't work against it. See, if Abram had done that, and this is not a criticism of him in any way, uh, I'm glad his whole story is recorded here uh, because I learned by it, and I, you know, I can identify better with it. He got, he, he got to walking out there, uh, walking with God to a place he still didn't know uh, as far as location was concerned, and uh, then he began to have these ideas. And he began to figure out, okay, my body is past childbearing age. Sarah's womb is dead, to use Bible language. She's past childbearing age. How are we going to do this? How in the world, without us having descendants, is this going to happen? So Abram, he's not a bad man. He's not a bad guy. Um, He starts to think. In my opinion, that's one of the reasons he brought Lot with him. When God said, leave kindred behind. Why would he do that? Well, maybe God would take Lot and make him the heir of promise. Well, when that didn't work out, there was another born in Abram's house by the name of Eliezer. Guess what? That one didn't work out either. And then Sarah and Abram got together and started thinking about Hagar. And maybe she would have a child 
And God would accept that child as the heir of promise. That didn't work out. Ishmael didn't find that out until he was about 13 years old. That bitterness is still what we're seeing on the news every day right now. That's going on in that part of our world. Okay? But but point is, again, and I'm done. Point is, is if Abram had kept that hope as the golden standard and then weighed his, his idea, other ideas that he was starting to have about how's this going to happen against that, he, he likely would have made different choices. Because the choices that he made delayed the fulfillment of the promise of God. And it still happened because God is faithful. Say it out loud, God is faithful. So God didn't, you know, he didn't say, well, I'm done with you enough. Alan, what he did was he walked him out under the stars. said, look up. What do you see? Stars. Can you count them? Nope. So shall your seed be. He had him look down. What do you see? Sand. Can you count it? Nope. So shall your seed be. So he gave him a little more insight into the spiritual seed and the natural nation that his obedience to God would give birth to. Yeah. And so God encourages us too when we start to get off path. But if we'll hold tight, embrace the hope that God gives us, we'll have something to weigh this by. Is this really, is this going to help or is it really going to hurt? Is it going to, is it going to work toward the advancement of the will of God in my life? Or is it actually going to uh, hinder it? Number five, hope conditions the heart to hope again and again and again. You know that your heart can be conditioned. You know it can be conditioned physically. But you know also from Proverbs 4.23 is just one place that the heart can be conditioned. And that's another thing we've been given stewardship over. A responsibility concerning. He said, guard your heart with all diligence. Say diligence. Diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. The Hebrew word issues there is a word that is used in in Hebrew literature to describe a boundary. A boundary that's being set. Um, So he says... uh, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the boundaries that your own heart sets. See, it's not what's coming at you, it's what's going out of you that's giving shape to your life. Amen? The word diligence is a word in the Hebrew which refers to a prison or a guard over a prison. And what it's teaching us to do is put our heart in protective custody. Keep your heart in protective custody. Because what's going to come out of it is going to give shape to your life. So what are you declaring over your finances? What are you declaring over your own health? What are you declaring over your spiritual life? What are you declaring over this amazing church? What are you declaring over your mission to the world? What are you declaring? What is hope rising up on the inside of you and wanting to say? Amen. Line your life with it. Steward the hope. Flow with the hope. And the end result will be what God has intended for you. All right. Would you stand with me? I'm sorry, Pastor. I didn't uh, obey. I should have waited, I guess, to tell all those cool miracle stories. Or tell everybody that you've gained eight ounces. I should have just waited on all that. Let's pray over this. I hope you'll come back tonight. And bring that little note sheet with you, and we'll 
we'll breeze through the rest of it. It's really, you know, not because I'm the one who gets the privilege of sharing it. It's good information. I wish I'd had this when I was uh, um, really young in my walk with, uh, with Christ. Father, we thank you for what we've heard today, this morning. We receive it into our, our hearts with thanksgiving. We believe the Holy Spirit will help us to keep it in mind. It will be as good seed sown in good soil. It will find root in us, and eventually it will bring forth some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold fruit. To your honor and to your praise and to your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. See you tonight, hopefully. Just a moment. Praise the Lord. We want to receive an offering for Pastor Marshall and Cindy. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. If you want to give by text, the number's up there. If you're watching online, want to give you can go to our website, go to the Give button there. And uh, praise the Lord. How many of you were taught this morning? Man, praise the Lord. Good word. Equipping us to do what God's called us to do uh, in this time, preparing us. And so he says, we are, have received the word. Uh, again, you know this, things of eternal value. It's no big deal that we communicate with the teacher in all good things. And so, man, I'll tell you, just uh, if you grab onto that, really meditate on that stewardship uh, I know there's a number of different ways to look at things, but, you know, in our culture today, and certainly some validity, but we always press ownership, ownership. But Jesus talks a lot more about stewardship than he does ownership and understanding what he's given unto us and how we steward that, behave with that, again, for that accountability. And so uh, learning this and understanding a little bit more, instead of just saying, I want to own it, but to realize God's given us really some things that we can give attention to uh, in, our, in our life, in our business, and really steward well, uh, bring it uh, to full fruition for accountability. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and you know, one of our scriptures over that God gave us last year uh, in moving through uh, 2023 and 2024, Proverbs chapter 3. And so what a, I mean, just grab on to that um, Tremendous way of talking about acknowledgement in all your ways. Because, you know, Jesus said, I will never, ever, 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 ever leave you. And I will never, ever, 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 ever forsake you. Awesome. And so even though you think you left him in your prayer closet, when you left, he went with you. He went with you to work. He went with you to the bank. He went with you to the doctor's office. He went with you wherever. And he can be present, but without acknowledging. So what a tremendous nugget to grab onto and realize, wow, that acknowledgement, building trust is so important. Acknowledging him in all of our ways, wherever we go, because he's there. Present, we can sometimes even know that scripture, but then wonder, where are you? But it's really more of a matter of acknowledging than it is him being there. Because he is there. Amen. Praise the Lord. You ready? Father, we thank you so much for what we have received today. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you 
God for just sharing with us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, understanding that, but the testimony of what you're doing in lives, in healing bodies, in miracle working power. Thank you, Lord, for that sharing that and the power of those testimonies for us today to latch on to and to realize that you are God and you're not a respecter of persons. That you're working in this room right now in hearts and lives. Those in need of healing, those in need of a miracle, that that is an exhortation concerning them. We're thankful for all that has been shared, all that's been imparted, all that we've heard. Holy Spirit, we release that to you. And now the opportunity that we have to give, to take advantage of that, to communicate with the teacher and these good things, Father, we just thank you for that. We command the blessings of your word upon each and every one as they give. I thank you. You open up as they give. You give seed, more seed to sow bread for food, but you enrich them in all liberality. The generosity that you have shown towards us begins to be part of our nature more and more and more everywhere that we go, that you enrich us in all good things, that in giving to others, your power, your generosity might be realized and you might receive thanksgiving. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and pass those buckets. Praise the Lord. You're welcome to stay for the next service. I'm sure there will be little nuances that will be different, um, and you can gain from that. Um, And then 6 o'clock tonight, you don't want to miss the next things on the list. Praise the Lord. They're going to be awesome, and they will equip you uh, to live life in relationship with God and do work of ministry, minister to others as you gain knowledge of that. And, uh, man, I'm just telling you, As we take this, we embrace this, no matter the day we live in, people's lives will be changed by what you receive and what you share. I see souls being saved into the kingdom of God through the influence that you will have upon them, even from what you are receiving today. Lives, not just your life being changed, but other lives being changed because you'll have things to share with them about faith, about acknowledging God, about trusting him about believing, about hope. And that's all the farther I can go because that's all the farther he went today. All right, stand up with me. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.